Hello and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast. This is volume 11, issue 547, on Marvel Spider-Man, Miles Morales. Uh, joining me, I'm James Carter, in issue 547 are Ryan Zhao. Hey, Bonsa is ready. <laughs> oh wow, that's uh, that makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Thomas Quilfelt. With great power comes great, I can't think of something funny to say. Damn. Conversationality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that'll do. <laughs> Just happen to have the word Comes conversation. Great rumble functionality. Speciality. <laughs> rumble functionality, yeah. <laughs> so yes, we are talking uh, Spider-Man. Uh, it's probably worth saying that in covering this game, we are going to touch on some other Spider-Man stuff, but we'll try and keep that spoiler-free. What we're not going to be keeping spoiler-free is the story and gameplay elements and everything surrounding it of Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales specifically. It's probably worth saying that the game's immediate predecessor, Marvel Spider-Man, there are aspects of that story that impact on this one that we can't really necessarily avoid, like Miles Morales being a Spider-Man. Um, so, fair warning, uh, this game's short, the previous one is quite a bit longer, but we are going to be uh, spoiling those, so uh, carry on with that advisement. Um, so, the development of this game, as uh, with the last game, Insomniac Games developed this. Um, it, I guess it kind of takes the position of a um, greater than expansion. Uh, it very clearly set in the same place and follows on from the same story. is not quite a sequel. It's a sort of side story and it's cut down in size, but functionally it's going to act story-wise as a sequel. Um so Insomniac Games developed it. Um, 2018, the original game was released. This one came out a little more than two years later um, in 2020 uh, with the launch of the PlayStation 5. Published again by Sony Interactive Entertainment. Um, I've got credits for some different parts of the game kind of spread throughout. As always, the credits tend to be the leads in each of the departments. Uh, but we'll kick off here with the directors, four of whom are named um, on Wikipedia. Uh, Brian Horton, Brian Intahar, Marcus Smith, and Ryan Smith. As mentioned, the game was released uh, variously on the 12th and 19th of November 2020, depending upon when your PlayStation 5 arrived uh, in your in the country. Um, alongside Marvel Spider-Man Remastered, and then an Ultimate Edition that kind of bundled both together. Um, so all of that happened at the same time. Um, in 2020 and then just a couple of uh, weeks ago as you listen to this um, the continuing PlayStation's kind of trend at the moment of releasing games a couple of years after their release onto PC um, this game Miles Morales came to Steam on the 18th of November 2022 a couple of months prior to that Spider-Man also came to PC um, so yeah timely that we are bringing this out now the first piece of um, community feedback, listener feedback we've got, is from Ben Johnson via Patreon, who says, I was hoping to get this played before the recording with the recent PC release, but a glitch in the game doesn't let me access the menus 98% of the time, so I'm holding off until the patch. What I managed to play felt like an improvement on the combat system from the first game. I'm hoping this version of Miles grows on me as the game progresses. Um, the first report of the sales figures for Miles Morales specifically was in June 2021, about uh, what's that, seven, eight months after release, 
Um, by that point, they had sold 6.5 million copies. Um, that made it the third best-selling Sony title in the U.S. since 1995. Mm. I, yeah, I had to scratch my head a bit about that, but the article by Push Square that I've uh, linked in the show notes says clearly that God of War and Marvel Spider-Man are the only two games that have bested it in sales since 1995 specifically was the reference. That seems bananas to me. I can think of two or three I would have thought would have sold more than that, but that's the statistic that was kind of put out there. So in 2020, this was the 12th best-selling game, which doesn't sound that impressive, but it was then the 6th best-selling game in 2021, obviously because of time of release being a, a November release. It only had kind of five, six weeks worth of sales in 2020. So, um, it definitely... and, the, and the PS5, the trouble getting PS5s into the market because of yeah, although as well. I, I think the thing that did propel this, and I tend to think of it as a PS5 title, but the thing that definitely propelled this to being the third best-selling Sony title in the US since 1995. I'm saying it like that because that's how it's quoted, and I don't want it to be taken out of context. Um, is the fact that this was available on PlayStation 4 as well. You yeah. don't get these sales just from PlayStation 5s, uh, especially not by June 2021, when they may have only barely sold 6.5 million PlayStation 5s by that point. But uh, yeah. Um, outside of sales, this game continued to impress. On Metacritic, uh, you've got a range from about 84 to 89, depending on platform. PS5 kind of sits nicely in there with the most reviews, 89 reviews an 85 score on Metacritic. Open Critic is 85 from a much larger number of reviews with 95% recommended. And very neatly, IMDB comes out with a, uh, from 6.5 thousand users, comes out with a rating of 8.5. So 85 <laughs> is the score uh, that yep. we're looking at for that. And um, yeah, that's a, a pretty incredible score for a game that could have been seen as kind of like a, a step sibling or, you know, um, not quite as prestigious as um, as the the title that it spun off from. So, probably in in with our histories, it's worth mentioning kind of our history with Spider-Man games. So I don't know if I was, or, you know, just a Spider-Man liker rather than a sort of specific lover um, or, or seeker out of the comic books. Particularly, I guess I'm more of a Batman guy. Uh, generally speaking with comic books and films and stuff like that um but i did really dig spider-man uh one and two the sam raimi movies actually around that time really liked the spider-man 2 the film and i really loved spider-man 2 the game i actually beat it twice um on on ps2 and then when 2018 came out for some reason i just didn't get to it i i've 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 always i've been always been a playstation gamer but i've always had a sort of a weird timed delay on certain of their first party games um like i didn't play god of war 2018 or spider-man 2018 until 2020 or 2019 2020 so I, i didn't play this until christmas 2019 and beat it uh january 2020 uh and that sorry i didn't play the marvel's spider-man on ps4 uh, until a, a, a little bit after and then this game i played um launch window with ps5 um so i sort of played it within the same calendar year of beating the ps4 spider-man and uh yeah 
did a quick replay about a month ago uh new game plus on uh and i kept jacking up the difficulty and got to ultimate difficulty um actually um not that i'm massively good at or skillful at games but i just sort of wanted to it i wanted the the game to push back on me so much that i had to actually use all of the tools in the arsenal um but actually new game plus makes it really easy to start with because you've got all your gear and so the early fights are actually a bit a bit too easy so um yeah we'll get into that later but uh otherwise just a general fan of spider-man you know like into the spider-verse and the marvel uh marvel adjacent sony films and stuff like that so um so yeah I think I played this game at launch on PS5. I've replayed it now on PS5. That's kind of my history. Uh, For anything more than that, I guess, see the previous um, issue 417 of Caden Rince, Marvel Spider-Man. Yeah, I should note, I played both Spider-Man games at the time at which they came out. Spider-Man 1 on the PlayStation 4, and then Spider-Man Miles Morales on the uh, PlayStation 5, kind of right at launch. I got a PS5 pretty early picked up. Demon Souls yeah. and and Miles Morales and uh, that Same. was my kind of introduction into uh, this um, generation of of new hardware. So yeah, I got to to play with the um, with the kind of the newest and and most exciting like graphical options. So that was that was fun. Um, I, I even played before. I don't even know if I was still playing it at the time at which they introduced the ray tracing 60 frames option. So uh, I might have, uh, might not have even gotten the full experience out of it, uh, depending on like if people are going back and playing it today. Much the same as you. I um, played in performance mode by preference for the frame rate. And I think I might have played a tiny bit, but not much with performance uh, ray tracing just because it wasn't available at launch. Uh, we're going to dive into uh, gameplay. Obviously, all of this is kind of going to be uh, overshadowed a little bit by we're going to need to make reference to how things have changed or not from the previous game. So uh, bear with us on that. It kind of is a, such a, a large looming touchstone for this game that it, it kind of does need to be done by comparison to a certain extent. And in that uh, in that vein, we have some more pieces of feedback. So the first is from the emailer who posted on our forums, canonrince.com forward slash forum, and says, A shorter Spider-Man game really brought out the best parts of the formula at a pleasing pace. Character building, massive set pieces, stealth sections, and standard combat were balanced so well which mu- which, with much less filler. Sorry, The perfect length for a parent of young kids with not much gaming time. Hear, hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shorter games do tend to get shouted out, and this one definitely was in that uh, group. Um, also, feedback on Patreon from Courtney Clark, who says, I bought it a few months after launch with my PS5. I found it extremely dull and samey. I found the story unengaging and just a bit rubbish. I'm excited for Spider-Man 2, though. <laughs> so... Trying to be fair, making sure we can put in the, good, the, the positive and negative comments... Uh, but sandwiched uh, that negative, more negative comment was uh, with uh, this one. I think a more positive one from Jobo Bonobo on the forums, who says, "This game is really the epitome of the adage: if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Moving around and fighting feels just as good as it did before, and there is just enough new additions that make the game worthwhile. Venom abilities can be very satisfying when you pull them off successfully. My particular favorite being the Venom Jump, where you could catapult multiple thugs in the air." and then zip from one to the other, knocking them out with one punch. 
Stealth was also very enjoyable now, with the ability to hide from enemies using camouflage. This game, along with the original, has a really Moorish quality, with me wanting to just fight one more crime, find one more underground cache, or learn one more ability. Hmm. Thank you for those. Um, so, gameplay. The uh, lead gameplay designer, Cameron Christian. Uh, it's going to share a lot in common with the previous game, so we're going to focus probably more on the differences. The question I kind of wanted to start with was, my reaction to the first game was, I never used fast travel. I always wanted to swing because I enjoyed the swinging mechanic and how they kept you engaged with um, with diving down for speeds, with uh, doing the kind of point launches, with doing the tricks and skills in, in midair to gain extra XP. There was just enough keeping me engaged to, to keep the swinging interesting in the first game does that stand for you guys and does it still work after what is now another 10 hours on top of the first game so maybe 30 hours worth of total play between these two titles um i i used fast travel to to go all the way across the map but Hmm. i i guess with map moppers i mean as a parent of young children with limited gaming time I am more efficient these days. Yep. I do I do love big games. I've always loved, you know, Witcher 3, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, that's in the last couple of years, Elden Ring. But even especially replaying this, um, I was extremely surgical. So it was like, can I fast travel to that? Yes, go. But that, I still really love swinging and doing tricks in midair. I think I've forgotten about the dive button to pick up speed, but... Um, <laughs> Other than that, I, you know, uh, and I feel like um, I finally got the hang of the uh, launch point uh, stuff. Just coming back to it this time, yeah, zipping around, still really fun. Um, it feels so natural, uh, and I guess, as I said before, like there's still some um, muscle memory in my yeah. right middle finger, I guess, <laughs> from Spider-Man Two. To just get that physics swing and uh, get around buildings and stuff. Um, and yeah. actually on the on the replay, because everything's maxed out, I don't have to pick up the underground caches because there's absolutely no point. So yeah, yeah. I don't even have to stop to kind of do those so, so I can move more freely. I can fast travel to zip around. So yeah, I, I, I'm very, very happy with traversal and fast travel, to be honest. Um, and it just made the whole thing faster and fast loading as well this game specifically on ps5 versus ps4 and and, and any that have come before just speed just yeah whether you're fast traveling and it's quick loading or you're you're swinging just getting around quickly makes map mopping better funner maybe more inconsequential perhaps you could say but but as a criticism but yeah good for me yeah i think i only used fast travel at the point at which i was really trying to pick up the last little you know bits and pieces from collectible quests and stuff like that when i had somewhere to be very specifically but i think um miles morales has the advantage of being on a smaller map which you know i i think typically at least if you pay attention to like video game marketing departments um, advertising that you have a very large map is something that's supposed to be very exciting. But uh, for every <laughs> you know every game that makes great use of its uh, enormous map, there are twenty games where the map just kind of feels like uh, a little bit 
cut and paste and it's like didn't yeah. really need to be this big did it uh you know i obviously like we're we're coming off of this year uh off of elden ring that i think every little every little square foot of that map was uh interestingly used in some way uh but um you know plenty of other games just it, the map feels more or less interchangeable and so if just cause 3 had been you know four city blocks or if it had been you know the size of a small country like it probably wouldn't matter that much based on the way that i would play it or a saints row or something like that and i think like hmm. spider-man spider-man one i don't want to keep like we'll know what i'm yeah 2018 2018 yeah it is not yeah. it is definitely not the first spider-man game but for all intents and purposes <laughs> for the purpose of this conversation spider-man one um it its map was interesting in that like it was only interesting as a traversal challenge like not even a challenge just like a an impetus for traversal uh because you know to be able to swing through the city you have to have a city to swing through but there wasn't that much about the different districts of the city that really kind of set them apart and really made them worth like individually visiting except for the specific challenges that were like you know the collectibles and the challenges that were situated there and so yeah. you know i think about like there are some other city-based games like you know grand theft auto 5 and stuff where like the different parts of the city do feel really distinct and really different whereas you know spider-man city felt a little like not as a criticism but it's just like it's a little bit the same all the way through and i think you know central park was very memorable because it was so different than the rest of the yeah. city but um you know you're not like you're not going to a different district of the city because it's more fun to hang out there or more fun to swing around or or something like that it, like it all kind of functions similarly and especially if you find yourself like above the rooftops you know i think they did yeah. a decent enough job of like kind of encouraging you down to the street level where you get a little bit more of that like a little bit more diversity but for the most part like I don't know if it needed to be as big as it was. And so the fact that Miles Morales kind of shrunk the explorable city in a way and yeah. kind of confined it to a smaller area uh, while still being big enough to be like a traversal impetus, like I think it kind of got the best of both worlds in a way. It felt very mm -hmm. manageable and it never really like tempted me with fast travel in the same way that like Spider-Man won with its perhaps over big city um at least kind of puts the idea in your head but in miles morales it's kind of like it's so contained without feeling yeah. cramped without feeling small like it's so contained that it's like oh yeah i can get there that's no problem i'll just uh let's take a little swing in that direction <laughs> and and they make a point of emphasizing harlem and kind of recreating that in mm -hmm. a bit more detail so they are they are trying a little bit to give you know a bit of character a bit of new york character to specific dis districts yeah yeah um but it does it does blend into one to some extent when you're swinging through okay so another area that is largely going to be similar but it's not like 2018 completely revolutionized its combat system out of nowhere either um combat is i've kind of summed up as a timing based counter evade brawling system 
this game is very similar to 2018, but we've already, Thomas, you've already mentioned Arkham Knight. It goes back to Arkham Asylum. That's the sort of combat we're looking at here. Um, one thing I did notice more in this game than in 2018 was the number of times I got button prompts in front of me felt more noticeable. Not just talking about when you've got a takedown to do, but it felt like it was reminding me that I could do a Venom dash or a Venom punch more often than I needed it to. Um, just I a- think, yeah, I think I know why that is, though. Mm. And I think, and it's something I expect, I have a bit of a problem with God of War 2018 and this game and, and the previous Spider-Man. The Sony skill tree combat stuff Mm -hmm. i just i get lost right i unlock Mm -hmm. all the stuff yeah um and then i'm like which which button was which combo which should i use and it's all so (laughs) fast and it's so fast and i've got the gadgets i'm throwing out the gadgets and then suddenly uh should i have used the venom punch i didn't even know there was a jump in the air i forgot how to jump in the air (laughs) now sticking it up to unlimited uh, ultimate difficulty this time did force me to um uh, engage properly with stealth in the uh rocks on bases because they really are just too tough like there's just too many guys there's too too tough so you kind of have to go into stealth you can dip down and do a bit of fighting go back into stealth and use all of your gravity wells and remote mines and all of that but I think the button prompts are probably a response to just the fact that they just got to remind you you've got the venom yeah. punch button at all. Because, and then there's so many other, because then you've got punch up in the air and then you've got a web swing and you can forget if you're coming back to this game yeah, yeah. or you're restarting yeah. or you, you don't quite remember how a PS4 game went. You forget that if you, I can't even remember what it is. Is it hold square to do the swing kick to then yeah, launch yeah. the guy? That's the best way to take people off the side of a building without even having to fight them particularly. Yeah. But if you don't remember that in the heat of the moment, you you could be doing some quite inefficient beating people up and getting shot in the back stuff. And on yeah. ultimate difficulty, yeah. you can't afford to do that. Um, and even on lower difficulties, it's frustrating to to sort of remember, oh yeah, I've got all those other moves, yeah. but I just never remember to, to bring them up in the middle mm-hmm. of combat because it's so frenetic. And then you're like, oh, I could have used all my remote minds in that in that fight and i just completely forgot so i I do have a bit of a problem specifically god of war in these two games Mm. with just the the sheer amount of combat moves and then so actually the odd button prompt does help a sort of feeble-minded feeble-memoried person like me Mm. to be like oh yeah i've got i've got i forgot about the venom powers completely when starting on new game plus in this game um so yeah it was worth the reminder honestly yeah, yeah. No, I'm sh- I'm sure it's in response to what they've seen, which is people not using those moves that are on the L1 and then one of each of four face buttons to, to use different options. I think that the combat was uh, significantly improved in this mm-hmm. in this game. And I think it is due to kind of what I said before about the city, like paring back a little bit and making it yeah. a little bit smaller and simpler um, because, you know, playing through... I, I, you know, I really loved Spider-Man 2018 and mm-hmm. I, um, it, I, you know, I really enjoyed, uh, it's, it's combat and, and it's traversal and gameplay, but like playing it at the time and especially going back to it after having played Miles Morales, like it's a very, it's a very messy 
game from like a yeah. <laughs> from a yeah 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 moment to moment design perspective um just in that like you have so many gadgets and so many options and all of your not all of them but like most of the gadgets that spider-man peter parker has at his disposal are kind of operating in parallel to your like standard beat-em-up combat but aren't directly like aren't directly i guess modifying the verbs that you yourself are using as a player and so you get a lot of stuff that is kind of like autonomous drones that take out enemies from the side and stuff that kind of operates in its own you know minds that you can set and stuff like that that you know it, it it's all kind of peripheral to the work that you mm-hmm. as spider-man are doing and it feels a little bit more batman than it does spider-man <laughs> to be entirely honest like yeah. i know the spider-man yeah. uh, peter parker is an inventor but he never felt like and i'm not a huge like i don't have an amazing amount of knowledge about the comic books but he never to me felt like somebody who was like a, a major gadget head uh like a like a rocket raccoon or yeah. a bruce wayne or something like that whereas like it, i i really enjoy in miles morales how all of the peripheral abilities that you have all of the the venom attacks and stuff like that and and even the stealth like they do directly modify the way that you fight hand to hand and it's all kind of funneling back into like the control of the character and it it feels really like it feels really good and it feels like it's all situationally uh like it it all just it changes the way that you like approach the situation and um and engage in the combat rather than like just doing some stuff and kind of cleaning up on the sides outside of your like primary field of vision like it feels very very focused i really appreciate that I definitely agree with that, but and 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 the reason I say it is because I remember the hardest things in in Spider-Man PS4. There were times when I was like pulling enemies out of a base, like round the corner, and trying to take them out one by one and totally cheese cheese the f out of them, uh, because it was just impossible to take them out in in a group or in the harder bases at the end. And I just wasn't engaging kind of honestly with the combat system. And it was getting very messy and chaotic. I was just hammering the dodge button and it just wasn't. Whereas this, because you can reestablish stealth um, on a dime and get out of there and then, uh, you know, take a few guys out by stealth, get a gravity well back, you know, recharged, throw that down, um, uh, then web, uh, uh, web a couple of guys to the floor um, which takes a few more out, you know, it just, it, yeah, even in the moment, even in a frenetic battle, it feels more strategic and um, more manageable. And I felt, yeah, it just felt more satisfying overall. And I, I felt like I was really cooking, really cooking with it by the, uh, by the end of my kind of new game plus ultimate playthrough. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I definitely noticed um, and a, a bit, I guess, um, Bioshock 2 Minerva's Den's a good example, just how quickly they just give you all the same weapons. It's noticeable they're trying to give you all the same stuff to do in Minerva's Den as you had in the main game, and it just affects the pacing and feels everything makes everything feel a bit rushed. One of the rare criticisms I have of that, that particular DLC. In this, 
beyond your web shooters, you only actually get three more gadgets. The rest of it is power unlocks. And there's a little infamous is a, is a game that I think of as, oh, you have an electricity pistol and an electricity machine gun and an electricity grenade and an electricity rocket launcher. They've kind of, and other people won't feel this way, I'm sure, they've just taken, here's your standard third-person shooter set of guns and weapons and made them electricity versions, and that doesn't feel like an interesting use of electricity to me. In this case, I think they just about avoid that by giving you very, like, combination utility stuff. Like, I would use a remote mind to bring some people together, stun them, and then I can go in with a venom punch or or uh, i guess a better example is a gravity well to pull enemies together and then you can use one of your aoe venom attacks to kind mm. of add to what you're doing and you're combining things rather than just choosing rock paper scissors based on the particular scenario so that i really liked about this power set and the way that they'd split it between gadgets and given far fewer and then venom skills and kind of made that part of miles's journey as he learns his power set Okay, I think we have kind of uh, gone over a lot of the the combat and kind of abilities. Um, other than that, it's going to look quite similar to, to what you've seen before in this. There's some nice touches like the camouflage stuff. You also get some other, um, other abilities when you come out of camouflage, like blinding light to use. Well, I guess that's a flashbang, so maybe that's not all that unique ability. But, <laughs> um, but you, again, you're you're using it when you come out of camouflage, so it allows you to set up situations where that that's really useful. Um, side missions is kind of another area. Apologies to keep doing this, where you've got your versions of things that were in 2018. So instead of backpacks that Peter's left around the city, it's time capsules that Miles and Finn left around the city. You still have your random crimes, and instead of uh, Peter's challenges, you've now got challenge. Peter's challenges were kind of based on stuff that Harry had left for him to do that were environmental things. Um, you've now got hollow challenges in this, where you have three different flavors. I think uh, combat, traversal, and stealth challenges with different unlocks, and it's all as uh, Thomas you were saying, it all stacks onto unlocking your abilities, unlocking different. Um, suit modifiers so uh with uh the previous game you would get a suit and it would have an ability built in and then you had the ability to kind of take that um power and put it onto a different suit in this case you've got your suit and then you have different suit mods and visor mods that you can then unlock but you need extra resources to do that so uh, a lot of the same kind of stuff with the side missions i think i got most of them there tech caches we've all already mentioned i think that covers most of the kind of side missions um i think it feeling like a smaller or being a smaller map it is pared down so i didn't feel like the random crimes were quite so many and uh distracting as they were in the previous game i think that definitely worked relatively well one of the things that i do appreciate about both the spider-man games uh something that i very frequently criticize other games for um and perhaps something that might not be appreciated by somebody who just wants to eternally keep playing the same game over and over but i i do appreciate that as you as you defeat criminals and as you clear out bases and as you stop street crimes and stuff like the number of crimes that happen within a given neighborhood become fewer and fewer 
and yeah. it becomes more and more peaceful and it really does feel like you're having an effect on the neighborhood yeah. and um you know that was one of the things where playing through uh, assassin's creed odyssey especially was where it uh I encounter the most friction of going into a base entirely clearing it of enemies. And that can be like a, I mean, that could be like an entire hour's worth of work if you're playing it stealthily yeah. and carefully and thoughtfully. And then you, uh, you know, you go somewhere else, you come back and the entire base is repopulated again. It's like, why did I, why did I do that? You know, why yeah. did I spend my time? I don't feel like I'm a part of this world. It, it feels more yeah. Disneyland yeah. than ever before. You know, all the, all the pieces get knocked down and then they're immediately set back up again. Like it's a bowling alley or something like that. And it's like, I don't want to, yeah. Yeah. you know, like engaging with the combat is intrinsically enjoyable. Like it's a good combat mm -hmm. system, but there has to be more to it than just knocking down bowling pins for them to be, you know, stood back up again. Like I, yeah. I enjoy yeah. some sense that the world is reacting to the uh the work that i put into it and, and the spider-man games just, do exhibit that yeah and not just True, in, yeah. in the main story beats because that's that, yeah that mm -hmm. the the logical conclusion you would have had if you if you clear a base you come back and it's it's you know repopulated what difference did it make to that base but also why would I therefore go and clear other bases? Surely right, exactly. what the game's telling me is the only way I can quote unquote win or help or improve the lives of these, you know, characters in this game is to barrel through the main story and not yeah. do any of the side stuff because nothing's having an effect. And you get this situation where um Bloodborne's the example that comes to mind. Only when you pass certain points in a main story does anything change in the world. Well then why would you the other and that's a really sort of cold rationale but that's what the the game is teaching you if that's the case and I mean, not to nitpick that, the example though but like that's also kind of yeah. not true in bloodborne because like bloodborne has a lot of its world changes are kind of built around the insight system which there are lots of different ways to yeah, gain insight no, right. like including yeah. like encountering certain types of enemies and so like if you yeah. do really kind of hunker down in a particular area and do you know work on kind of like raising your insight even beyond like pushing out into the rest of the world like you will experience some of those world totally changes different. it's not going to yeah. change the time of day just yet but you will start to see yeah. more of the horrors of the world <laughs> yeah, i think no that, that's a fair point i was thinking time of day stuff but no you're quite right uh and i think it's great that in in spider-man it does reinforce a very spider-man sort of central trope of mm -hmm. no be the neighborhood spider-man help the people who are right in front of you in trouble don't just always be thinking who's the kind of what's the, the universe bag, ending threat yeah, exactly. that i need to be dealing with now yeah yeah i yeah. really i did like the app i mean the yeah. the yeah it's it's a relaxing evening to just swipe on the app do a couple of things um and that is a, a relaxing gameplay loop with relatively low you know stakes for the for the it, you're just miles you're just sort of tending to the city yeah. and you you're getting stuff done there's a there's a way i think insomniac need to for me progress these games which is just that there's a sort of stiltedness to the dialogue in the uh -huh. in the yeah. side missions like the conversations are quite clunky and they don't flow very naturally now that's a voice actor thing and booking different voice actors recording on different days and how late did the script come in blah 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 um but 
they if they could overcome some of that stiltedness specifically for the side missions and i'm thinking you know witcher 3 okay they poured a ton of effort into witcher 3 to achieve that more lived in world yeah. if they could just do a little bit more work there to make this feel like a more lived in city um i think it would go a long way to um reducing some of the map mopper fatigue which is like go to marker click on person ret- get thing return thing to person say goodbye forget that person ever existed you know yeah, it, it, I don't know how much hard work it, it would be. I don't know. Dialogue systems and animation systems and blah, 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 and scope and trying to get this game out in time for a yeah. console launch, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, but in future, I, I just don't know how many yeah. open world superhero games we can have with fairly clunky, smaller side missions that we're going to be happy to just keep doing over and over again. Yeah. And and it's something that, that bleeds into the next kind of topic we're going to be talking about, which is kind of the presentation side of things. Um, but also it it's something it does it never puts me off the game. It, it, I didn't find it particularly bother bothersome here, but it's not just that the the script seems to get a little less attention. And maybe that's because they don't know when you're going to be coming to a certain side mission. It can't really reflect what's going on. It just kind of needs to be the side mission. But the faces of some of the NPC characters who are clearly not main characters and you're interacting with in some of those conversations where you've got one incredibly detailed, incredibly intensely animated face for your main character, be that Finn or be that um, Miles or whoever it is, and the other person they're talking to <laughs> isn't. And I, I'm not, it's not a criticism of the artists there. That's literally, it, it looks to me like that's a question of resources and where you can afford to spend the time and money. And the side characters don't make sense. And I guess the same, the side mission scripting and that kind of thing doesn't make a lot of sense. But it is noticeable, I think. Um, n- not bothersome, but noticeable. All right. As mentioned, we're going to talk presentation. So we've got another couple of pieces of uh, feedback. The first uh, from Frita Shopclark, I think pronounced. Apologies if that's wrong on the forum. um, Who says, I bought the original Spider-Man game in a sale, played it for a week or so, but then dropped it completely for reasons that I still can't quite put my finger on. Miles Morales feels like a much more compact experience than the original. And as a result, felt far more achievable. I found Miles himself being earlier on in his spider journey a much more re- relatable character also. Finishing this also gave me the drive to re-download the original and pick up my save from where I left off all those months beforehand, so it must have been doing something right. I think that's mm. a really interesting point. It's kind of weird to get the shorter experience afterwards when, for Fritz Shop Clark, uh, they clearly found that the shorter experience worked as a kind of taster or a build into the longer one uh, but just on um the result feeling far more achievable it's a turn of phrase but i think it's okay to buy a game play it for 10 hours and if you've not finished it feel like you got what you wanted i don't think that's what this particular piece of feedback saying but achievable just struck me as an interesting word to use like i don't think i achieve a game i don't even really think i beat a game <laughs> i just finished with it when i finish with it if credits have rolled great anyway that's uh, uh, it's worth mentioning here just because uh, the recent resident evil village issue um josh mm. was saying about you know god bless 
shorter AAA experiences. And I think Village had, a, you know, COVID problems and, and that probably changed the scope sure. of that game. But we end up with a shorter AAA experience, which is fantastic for people like me and lots of people, I'm sure, who who just yeah. just don't always want Elden Ring. Now, I put 109 hours into Elden Ring, but I would only do that for a from software you game hypocrite. pretty much these days. <laughs> I couldn't possibly consider putting any more yeah. hours into Elden Ring or picking up another huge game. Yeah. So so coming to this, knowing it's sure, and especially, you know, replaying for Kane and Rince, um with limited time, it's such a breezy story. Now, we'll get on to, you know, the truncatedness of the story and maybe that suffers a little bit. Um, but I just wanted to say here here and now that actually as a, as a you know, the, the busyness of family and tiredness and stuff me, that curtails gaming time having a triple a game you can finish you can see the end of the story and yeah. just wrap it up and feel like yes job done that is a really valuable feeling and yeah. that it's a it's a triple a quality as well now this game's at a triple a quality because it's a, a 1.5 arguably because they're using the same engine blah 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 they're using the same city uh, so they're making the best of those assets and um that's kind of to be applauded i think you know really so we're saying that now. And I think there's the tension between games as an art form versus games as a consumer product as well, where, yeah, you know, as a consumer product, you kind of want to get the most from your money and you want something that'll entertain you for a certain amount of time. And especially if you aren't able to, you know, buy as many games as somebody else. I think, you know, we're lucky to be in a place where we have a lot of games vying for our attention that's not the same for everybody and I, I fully acknowledge that but at the same time like as an art form pacing really is an important part of storytelling and packing games with loads and loads and loads of content like that doesn't help the game like from yeah. a storytelling perspective and so you got these two things that are kind of like at odds with each other and yeah. um you know I'm I'm definitely like sympathetic to people who who want to get the most out of their game but at the same time like there's a certain point at which as an artistic work there are diminishing returns when it comes to just like throwing yeah. more stuff into it yeah and to be fair to to uh, the correspondent free to shop clark i'm i think that's probably what they mean was you start spider-man 2018 and very quickly you are aware that seeing the end of the narrative part of that game right. is not going to be an insignificant um ask it's mm-hmm. going it's going to require a lot of time to see that story through um whereas in this game you've got a lot of side stuff to do but you can just kind of for the most part focus on it doesn't demand you go off and do side stuff as much as the original game did um but but yeah it it's definitely an interesting uh question and i think it's it's telling that whenever these games come out you see a lot of people particularly reviewers and yes they've got their own set of you know concerns but there's almost a relief that it isn't going to be a 60 hour ask to to see the end of of a game so Mm -hmm. and another piece of forum along those lines from matt l uh another piece of forum another piece of feedback along those lines from matt l on the forum um, Spider-Man Miles Morales is a perfect example of a more than DLC but not quite a sequel sequel. 
It took everything that made Spider-Man fun and then tweaked it just enough to make it fresh and made it more compact. New moves, new gadgets, new characters and better pacing all around makes this an unquestionable recommendation for anyone who enjoyed its predecessor. I really hope that more AAA studios do more of these budget spin-offs. It's also worth... I know why we don't get the small experience first and then the big. It's because you need the big investment to be able to make the big uh, game to get the return that then allows you to use the hardware, a lot of the assets, a lot of the lot of the the code of the game again. So I get why. I'm not suggesting it's not you know necessary, but feedback like that tells us that the smaller more focused experiences really do tend to be noticed as a positive for for that. Yeah, I think that famously Dishonored Death of the Outsider was <clears throat> and and Uncharted Lost Legacy mm-hmm. two kind of triple A examples of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Far Cry series has done it a couple of times as well. Yeah. Um in different ways. So another area where uh we're Apologies, going to lead on 2018 a bit, but but I think this game uh, makes a little bit more of a case for itself uh, as a as a kind of separate entity is in presentation. Uh, the lead artist credited uh, Jacinda Chu. Um, so environments is where I wanted to start off, and it kind of made sense to me to to come into environments the same way the game brings you into the game. Uh, Harlem, you start off on the subway, and when you press go on the menu, it just the train comes to a stop, and Miles walks off and you start taking control of him as you walk through his new neighbourhood in Harlem. I absolutely love this as an introduction to the world, I think, as a a presentation tool. They do it several times where you get to the end of a cutscene in your mid-swing, and you just take over. Um, It's something that I love about these games, the way they kind of just bring you into the world. Uh, And Harlem, just, they get across... Miles as a new resident and what he is appreciating about being somewhere that you know it's new but he knows so well. Yeah, it's a it's a really charming, uh, really charming start to the game, and um, this the the wind you know this is a Christmassy game and and that brings some good vibes as well I think yeah and, definitely uh, yeah. There's there's something about. We know that uh, I think is it is it Leon who likes snowy things in games or has a soft spot for snowy oh, yeah. levels and stuff in games. I think we all do, really. You know, it's yeah. it's it's as long as you get the the effects right. And it actually ties into something I was going to say later about story, but the p- pathetic fallacy because they control the time of day in these games mm. um, so that it's not you know day night cycle or anything like that. And I think they can make the game a bit prettier and the open world lighting nicer they can sort of bake it in i think is the expression i don't know what that means they can (laughs) basically because they've got more control um you know possibly they can do more with the graphics than if it was a day night cycle um and having to have quite those the shadows and stuff but um yeah there's something about the way they use weather and they did it in 2018 as well but the snowstorm at the blizzard at the end as well um yeah. where yeah. where he's really up against it so yeah pathetic fallacy in games i don't know if people talk about that very much but um in these games they use it quite unsubtly but in a fun oh, way yeah, it's, i it's think in a, in a yeah, cool way yeah. um but yeah. in a cool way but if they didn't have the graphics tech and the lighting tech to really pull it off it wouldn't be quite so impressive but but playing this yeah. on ps5 i was I was really, really impressed um, mm. 
and yeah and looking down the street from harlem you know just the draw distance now you know if you've seen the matrix demo the unreal demo but this is a real game with you know ai and everything working in the game whereas the unreal demo doesn't have quite that 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 amount of stuff going or is a different technical demands but um having these cities these amazing massive cities now in games i you know dreamed of having things this detailed and realistic since playing mm. um you know vice city and spider-man 2 on ps2 yeah and um just swinging photo mode around and looking forever draw distance down the road and the detail it just is is just mind-boggling these days actually we're so lucky we're so lucky that we're kind of we're kind of there we're kind of i just you know you can render this whole city it looks amazing it's it's not i don't know what scale it's to you know relative to reality but it's just it's mind-blowing and then they you know and then they still took the time to kind of put a lot of effort into his mum's apart you know his and his mum's apartment and making that look great and, and harlem specifically so um yeah presentation wise it, it really blew me away even though i'd only just played pretty much the ps4 game um yeah yeah i think new york is wonderful in here it's um i i had only visited new york city after playing both of these games like pretty recently within the last year and uh it was so fun going to various places and then recognizing it from the game like especially within central park there were so many areas where i was like oh this is the this is that little amphitheater stage where miles morales <laughs> you know ended up at the very you know towards the beginning of this game and it was so many little areas that like i you know i've i've enjoyed that before uh ending up in places where i had skated in tony hot games and uh it's always one of those uh real joys um to see how closely those areas have been emulated um but yeah i think even beyond that you know this is of course carrying over from uh, the previous Spider-Man game, but uh, being able to walk down the street and have people want to give you high fives and kind of acknowledging you and, you know, being, being people and reacting uh, more than just like this typical NPCs, which, you know, kind of stare blankly ahead and just kind of walk along their, their roots and don't interact with or react to anything that you're doing. So, um, yeah, I think the, the increase in the amount of like street art has been really wonderful. Um, mm. There's, there's so much like so much beautiful art that you'll just see sprayed onto the sides of buildings um, that makes exploring it um, more worthwhile. And this is one of the things that I do when, um, when I have people over sometimes and they want to, you know, play a PlayStation five game is I'll put on miles Morales and I'll just let them kind of like swing around or just walk down the streets and not even, you know, steering them towards combat opportunities or whatever. It's just like, it's such a nice place yeah. to just kind of exist and to just kind of be a tourist for a while. Yeah. And drink, drink it in. I mean, the other, the other side of that is, so down on the streets is like you say, the street art adds so much color and personality and that, but then to the top of the buildings, one of my favorite things in PS2 Spider-Man 2 is to climb to the top of the tallest building. I must've done that so many times as a as a teenager and then this one you know with the boys watching on and they're big spider-man fans already because disney have been um indoctrinating kids in with spidey and his amazing friends this um this kids show that sort of has got 
uh, Miles Morales and uh, Gwen Stacy is so there's the three main characters Peter Gwen and uh, Miles actually so you can see that Disney are taking Miles very seriously and uh, teaching it to children anyway so one of the things I can show the kids of course is to just go up to the tallest building and then just look down and just show them the whole of Manhattan or Manhattan as rendered in this game and what I want to say to these kids is look you don't know how good you've got it games you know never used to look like this when I was three years old when I was three years old it was 1988 and you know you'd be lucky if there were 20 pixels on the screen but now you can look at you know on PS5 can render the the whole of, uh, of Manhattan I've got some I've taken I don't know Three to four hundred photo mode shots of this game, at least, and then another thousand of, of the PS4 game. That's another aspect of these games. I spend a lot of time in photo mode, and one of my favourite things is just to um, take the FOV all the way, almost flat, and just look at the the buildings side by side from a very tall vantage point, and it just looks real. I mean, it just looks incredible. You can just yeah. The the amount of stuff you can shoot in this game um, is is mind blowing. Um, yeah, I'm just in awe of it. Really, just the city recreation. Um, and on pay, PlayStation Five, and I suppose I could have got this if I'd been playing Spider Man Remastered at the at the same time. Instead, I I could have got the same feeling. You know, so it's not just this game, but um, yeah. as the first PS Five Spider Man I played, um, I really really uh, dug that. And and just a point. The, the, they juxtapose that well. It's a bit garish, but the neon, um, the way they style the underground and the rocks on, they kind of do mm-hmm. this garish kind of um, red neon for rocks on and the and the pink neon for the underground. Yeah. But actually, I really do like that because with the ray tracing, when you're in the rocks on buildings, you've got the ray mm-hmm. tracing and the reflections on the floor. If you're using photo mode and you really kind of spend time looking at these environments and rather than just smashing through them and doing the fights but actually swinging a camera around and looking at some of the reflections in the scenery there's a there there is some visual um differentiation actually and some sort of clever choices they don't seem that subtle at the time obviously they've got these big bright neon colors so that you can Mm. see enemies clearly and identify them quickly and all of that but um the fidelity of the reflections and the fidelity of that and the lighting work, it's something that's in um, Final Fantasy VII Remake as well, when you're kind of in the Shinra Tower. The lighting models we can have now on PS4, PS5, um, you can just do very dramatic things with lighting, and uh, and they just go for it, it when you're within a Roxxon complex, and it just gives it this really cold, corporate, kind of over-the-top, feeling that contrasts completely with like the warmth of his apartment in Harlem yeah um or the yeah. frosty coldness of the of the snowy streets so i think they do a really good job of of mixing it up yeah yeah i i i agree completely um i i kind of when i was doing the notes i put the the neon vibes that they use and the gold for kind of the venom powers and then yeah the the purple almost magenta for um for the underground and red for roxon I was almost writing that down as not a negative, but as you say, it's such a standard thing to do to differentiate one power from another so that when the two powers, the two uh, abilities clash, you know who's on what side and who's winning is kind of like 
it's it's a real easy shorthand to to kind of typify each of the powers and it also means that when you see a character if they've got purple highlights on their outfit you immediately know who who their affiliation is with it's completely unrealistic but i get why they do it <laughs> but it gives this game such a colorful vibrant look like the bridge scene is kind of i think the first the braithwaite bridge scenes the first time you have rocks on and underground and miles in the middle of them together and you've just got such even though it's nighttime on the bridge you would expect it's just concrete and cars and stuff it gives it such a, a an intense colorful look um yeah. to what could be a an otherwise very impressive but nighttime scene and 4k um, 4k hdr on ps5 um yeah. really punchy like it punches you in the eyeballs it might be you know in a couple of years you might say it's it's unsubtle uh, as a as a launch game or whatever but it it looks great i mean i yeah. i think so just on presentation it's worth mentioning also um something that that i uh, blows my mind as well with modern games is um is clothing is details and, and also the hair we i mean we mentioned having um characters of color the the hair tech it's been a point about having black characters in game and how sort of um the hair doesn't look right and afros don't look right and uh, but the hair is is just immaculate uh, or, or looks fantastic but if you look at things like miles's mother's beaded necklace moves naturally on her neck and the creases in her in their woolen cardigans and jumpers catching the light and there's like food parcels in the boiling water pot and 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 stuff like that yeah there's there's this sort of fidelity now um mm. and now this is a very big budget game you know this is, this is a very yeah, big yeah. budget studio but the sort of the facial and lighting fidelity means as well when, when you the this this the dinner scene near the beginning you see the moody dinner lighting glint in miles's mother's eyes as she's talking to finn and you kind of get genuine warmth and it's such a fantastic performance from her as well we'll get to later um but they have the tech now to kind of pick up on that stuff um not to pick up on literally that she's sitting there because she's not a real person she's virtual but but to add that stuff you know to animate that stuff to 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 light these scenes as if they're real places and and add that that context so i think there's so much visually going on now in these big in these big budget kind of next gen current gen productions that that they they are adding something like next level to the drama and to the to the feeling of stuff, and yeah, I just wanted to to yeah recognize cardigans. Yes, yeah, yeah the attention to detail <laughs> and and the the difference that those little things do make, especially side by side, but in and of their own right, yeah, is is quite powerful. Um, so before we move on, we have another piece of uh, forum feedback from Billy. This was one of those games that immediately took flight for me. I was completely caught up in the characters and the story, the beautiful Christmas aesthetic of the city with its gorgeous low sun winter lighting and the excellent soundtrack. Playing as Miles brought with it the thrill of youthful inexperience and wistful freedom and I appreciated the shorter playtime too as it never outstayed its welcome. It was the perfect game for that period between Christmas and New Year and a wonderful way to begin a new console cycle. Mm. Um, so let's get on to one of the points mentioned uh, by Billy there, which is soundtrack. I usually embarrass myself next to the people that I'm on a panel with when it comes to music. I can't think of two worse people to be on a show with to have anything <laughs> said by me 
regarding music. So almost, aside to say, I've already mentioned the composer is John Paisano, who did uh, Maze Runner films, uh, Daredevil and Defenders Netflix TV series, um, Detroit Become Human, and worked on the uh, 2018 Spider-Man game as well. That's pretty much all I'm going to say about music, because I think I need to hand over to you guys as quickly as possible. Well, did, did you enjoy it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the telling thing is, the thing that when I request tracks to go before and after this episode, one of them is going to be one of the three Christmas LPs that you can pick to play in the apartment. <laughs> because that speaks to the setting, because it speaks to the time of year, this is going to be coming out particularly on the uh, on the uh, non-Patreon feed. That kind of says, like, the rest of it, fantastic score, swelled at the right moments, got me in the mood for a superhero game, but picking out individual tracks, I'm going to go to the easy, here's an LP of a song that I can ask to be put on. So, Yeah. I mean, there's, he's a, he's a great composer. Um, mm. The D- Detroit soundtrack is excellent. There's actually three, three main composers on that, but um, yeah. I think, yeah, mixing, y- you would have kind of expected them to kind of mix hip hop and orchestral for the main score. And they do. And I think it's really, I think it's effective. Um, I think maybe they could have, had a bit more music to to vary it up because it does get a tiny bit repetitive with great repetition comes uh, great uh, uh, familiarity or something um uh, they they could have done with it maybe a touch more actual like open world music but other than that I, I really like that um but there's a couple of like singles i think um will smith's son is uh, i think jaden mm-hmm. is one of the the um and I, i'm ashamed to say it kind of works on me like they kind of bring it in in the game in the right way and um a bit of uh mumble rap um is the derogatory term i don't really mean that i'm I'm joking um just uh good good some good um you know uh sinks and um well i think it's actually a commissioned song because the lyrics actually yeah. talk about some well, of the and, events and in the game jaden smith of course was on i'm um, i was on the into the spider verse soundtrack i had a moment of hesitation ah, there i'm like okay. no no he definitely was. I'm, I'm sure of that. Yes. Well, I mean, his his obviously his sound seems to pair quite well with the with this character, and as it does here. So, so yeah. I, all in all, I'm I'm you know I enjoyed listening to the soundtrack outside of the game. It didn't bowl me over completely. It didn't. It's not the most amazing soundtrack I've ever heard in my life, but it, it was really fitting and um, kind of grand, but also had that little bit of uh, touch of electronic. Uh, elements um yeah ryan i'm curious to think what you what you thought uh you know actually this is i don't know if i have a lot to add to it unfortunately i don't know if it really um because it's been a little while since i've uh, played the game i guess behind the curtains i'm a little bit of a last minute substitution for this particular episode so i haven't done as much due diligence as i would do for a, a typical issue where uh you know i have this on the calendar for months in advance. So I haven't had the chance to go back and replay recently, but um, I, I, you know, I just, I think there's the balance when you're creating something and especially kind of infusing something with a little bit more of like a hip hop energy. It's like, you don't want to project the image. Well, it's like, well, it's the black Spider-Man. So we have to inject some hip hop. And it's, you know, there's that, like, (laughs) I think that was done a lot in like the, the movies of the 80s and 90s it's very apparent when 
when apparently the uh, whoever is designing the score thought that a character came across as being a little bit urban and it's like that that comes across very unfortunately (laughs) but um i think in the in the decades since we've gotten a lot better at like knowing like when to uh like when is appropriate to uh employ different types of musical cues and you know what is appropriate at different types of moments and how to blend them more naturally and make it seem less kind of tokenizing and less kind of like, uh, yeah, you know, in that way. So I don't know if I have a ton to add to the, um, yeah. to the musical discussion here, but, uh, just, I, I was thinking about it in those kind of broader terms. Yeah. I think to, to that point though, they kind of, yeah, the way they do it and they introduce the game with him literally wearing headphones, mm-hmm. what, you know, in the opening menu. And I think that's to say, this score is going to be introducing hip hop elements in a way that this is what he would listen to. Right. It's that balance between authenticity and stereotyping that, yeah. if you have the right, like you want to make sure that people are being earnest when they're, when they're scoring it. And, you know, I, I've, I've gotten the feeling of earnesty throughout this whole production yeah, I, I, and and yep. one of the missions, of course, later on, a very mm-hmm. touching mission that I'm sure some people be infuriated by, but I quite like as a, as a sort of musician myself is the sam- the sampling mission with uh, Uncle Aaron. Yeah, and um, I, you know, I don't know. Some people might find that one a bit trite, but I I thought it was really effective and speaks to the fact that Miles is a musician, likes to make music. His dad and his uncle liked to make music together. And um, it's it's fairly authentic, you know. They they are gathering samples to put together a beat, a beat, and that is that's actually the best side mission. Is it? Is it? It's a main story mission, actually. It's a main story mission that sort of feels like a side mission, um, but it's really is, nice. Is the whole thing done. a main mission, or is it you do one as a main mission and then you have to go and get the rest of the samples for something else? I can't remember. Oh, uh, I can't remember. Yeah. I, I, I almost remember. put it in the side missions as like a like because there's various places you can go, but, oh, but I, either suit, way, it's a suit unlock chain of side yeah, missions, possibly. probably. Yeah, okay, so it's not a main mission, but yeah, I really love that. I really love that, and it and felt think, authentic. So yeah, I think that's the thing is that it is such a big part of this character that his dad is named Jefferson Davis for a reason. His uncle is a musician first and foremost, and that it's part of his character that music is a big part of his his family life with his dad's love of jazz music, again, obviously. And and that's supposed to be part of who this character is. Whether that is part of his character because he is black in that stereotyping sort of way, or, you know, because he is uh, no, mixed race, black and Hispanic or not, I think it comes across genuine here uh, because it's it's, as you say, from moment one, you are shown, and from anything you know about the character otherwise, it's also shown music is a big part of his life. You would expect the score to reflect that, and why wouldn't it reflect mm-hmm. the music he listens to? And I guess the the question is, for each of us in turn, whether that comes off as trite and stereotyping, or whether that comes off as genuine. I think there's more than enough here for me to be comfortable that it is. Yeah. So, um, the other area of sound that I think we can probably uh, skip onto is the voice cast. As mentioned with the um, the awards, there were 
multiple people uh not multiple nominations for awards uh related to the voice cast uh and particularly to the the actor portraying the main character Miles Morales who is Naji Jeter um I think does a, an amazing job of capturing something that they try to show throughout this film, not just with the voice, but it's captured in the voice expertly, is this is a Miles Morales who we are finding a month or two after he's got his powers and has been training and is still making mistakes, has slip-ups, is not confident, tries to, to come off as confident, but undercuts himself at times. That naivety and the sort of fresh-facedness of this character just comes through in buckets and I think they do it in such a fantastic way and the voice acting is absolutely uh, a core part of that for me. And then again going back to uh, Spider-Man 2018 like its big advancement was using kind of simultaneous or using different um, different reads of the same line for kind of high exertion and low exertion reads and so it can kind of seamlessly swap between them as you're swinging through the city and then you land on something and so you get a very naturalistic in a way that i've never really seen before but feels like this is the way that video games are going to have to be someday um but yeah it's a it still feels like magic like how well they're able to kind of incorporate the action of the gameplay into the um into the pre-recorded performances um so on uh, Miles uh, and Najee Jeter's performance, but but also just the character as a whole. I guess this is the 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 opportune point to talk about him. If there's anything we haven't mentioned, I put in here. It's not related to voice acting, but the suits. There's twenty of them. There's a bunch of the same as in the the previous game. There's a bunch of different flavors, but um, uh, there are a couple that kind of stand out and are worth mentioning. Um, Purple Rain, we've mentioned, is related to uh, Prowler and is obviously Prince-inspired, is kind of the music unlock one. Um, there's a, a fantastic winter suit, which is hat and scarf <laughs> over a Spider-Man suit, which is just adorable. Um, uh, equally adorable, the Bodega Cat suit. Uh, a lot of, um, again, speaking to the character, a lot of Miles's suits uh, kind of have uh, hoodies or jackets over the top of them. Um and the Bodega Katsu is one that you unlock uh, after having kind of started the Teal's Bodega um, uh, quest line. However, uh, I will say in mm. photo mode, it's all about the kind of the gold suit, which I think is sure. the, is it the One Love? I can't remember what it's called. It's something to do with the, I don't know. I can't remember. I think it's unlocked to do with doing stuff oh, around it's, the city. It's the, it's pride something or yes uh, yeah, yeah that's yeah. the one yeah, um, yeah. and they're also the white uh the suit with bits of white in oh, it. oh the, the track suit no no it's a proper spider-man suit it's not um okay it's uh it's like white red and black anyway those two look absolutely amazing photo mode like the, detail pride is the gold one yeah, yeah you get right up close and the reflections on them and just something away that the, the mm. light bounces off them is just immaculate they look completely real the materials on them look real it's just i'm look i look back at you know photo mode shots every now and again and i just cannot believe the level of detail that they they put into some of them um yeah. it's just absolutely mind-blowing um that yeah how how real they look yeah, yeah. i can't believe it uh so there, there's one that we need to uh speak to before getting back to any uh voice acting stuff uh but uh one piece of uh patreon feedback from mirroring 
who says, <laughs> Spider-Cat may be the single greatest addition to any Spider-Man franchise since the early noughties, and if he's not in Spider-Man 2, I will be writing a very disapproving letter to Insomniac Games. <laughs> Apart from the cat, Miles Morales is a charming game that offers largely the same technical experience as the first Spidey installment, and like its sibling game, has fun, smooth gameplay, especially the traversal system, and good storytelling. Miles is a hugely likeable lead character. I agree. At the moment, Insomniac are probably the company I trust most with any Marvel property. Well, isn't that fortunate? Uh, we'll come to that <laughs> later. But one suit I absolutely wanted to mention because it's uh, got multiple facets that I think are, are fantastic is the Into the Spider-Verse suit. So it was a pre-order bonus, but like with 2018, they put in loads of different suits from different eras of the character. This one from Into the Spider-Verse. And it's notable for two reasons. First, it has a visor mod that adds what I've put as comic impact text flourishes. Not impact the font, not comic the font, but the the same as Batman TV series Adam West era in the 60s, you actually get on screen, like they're trans, slightly transparent and they're not big, but you get impacts like um, whack, bop, whatever, um, crunch. Uh, when you are fighting it's not every punch that that yields one of these but when you take down an enemy it absolutely does and it does kind of through the fighting but the real cool thing about it is the vibe the verse suit mod uh, which changes the frame rate of miles's animations to make it look like the animation style for the character in into the spider verse which limited animation knowledge here is referred to as animated on twos which essentially means you cut the animation my understanding again, cut the animation of the character, in this case, in half. So it gives this kind of jerky, slightly stuttery look to it. But in this game, it's used because you're wearing a suit that's quote-unquote not from this earth. So the character looks like he moves differently, and it's stunning. I absolutely love it. In Spider-Verse, they have scenes where some characters are on twos and others aren't, and to to differentiate them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just thought it was it, something we need to mention. Apologies, it distracts from uh, talking about voice acting, but it kind of made sense to talk about Miles as a character here, and this is such a a cool aspect of how he's presented. Yeah. The, the um, suits, are, yeah, the suits are great, and you can zoom all the way up into like the fingers and still see incredible details. So, really, well, that's, kudos that's to really all cool. of the kudos to all of the uh, teams that that worked on those different suits. Uh, they're incredible yeah. for the most part. I primarily used the uh, the Spider Verse suit when I was playing the game. It was it was my favorite, and not only in conjunction with the uh, with the low frame rate mod, which I think is very cool. Um, although, unfortunately, like as kind of an aesthetic thing, like it it does take the place of one of the like functional suit mods. So you either yeah. have to. <laughs> yeah. It was almost like a little bit of a, a gameplay. Uh, handicap that you had handicap. to put on yourself <laughs> yeah. to be able to use it like it would be nice if that was just something in the options menu but regardless total, like yeah. even with that suit mod not active like i really like the i think it was the only suit that changed the model of the character as well like he's noticeably a lot more kind of like yeah skinny and spindly skinny and gangly, in, yeah. Yeah, yeah in that suit which i think especially for the types of animations that um yeah you know because clumsy yeah yeah yeah, he's very clumsy he's very kind of like his arms are always flailing about when he's and you know i think the the skinnier limbs and and that really kind of shows off the 
animation of the character a little bit better than the um than the actual character model does ironically but yeah. um i i really liked it throughout the playthrough yeah yeah absolutely agreed i kind of wonder and i don't know this uh i know in spider-man 2018 a lot of the or all of the costumes i believe are references to different comic book appearances and you know mm. all superheroes have tons of you know costumes from throughout history and throughout different eras and stuff like that and that's one of those things where it's like in comic book games usually the different costumes are related to their comic book appearances and i don't know with miles being such like a recent character i don't know if the costumes in this game are references to comic book appearances or whether there's a little bit more of the uh actual you know designers of the game being given the artistic yeah yeah. exactly so yeah yeah i'm not sure i'd I'd have to look into that as well yeah i don't know i i know one of the uh one of the suits was a miles morales 2099 which is in keeping with a peter parker spider-man suit from the previous i don't know if he was also in that storyline and therefore has a suit or yeah whether they just took inspiration um, either way, I, I really like a lot of the suits in this. Um, I think the variety of colours, given that for Spider-Man, whether it's Peter Parker, Miles Morales, Gwen Stacy, whoever it might be, they kind of have a default colour scheme you expect them to be wearing. And this, sure, but also, like, half the suits vary the colour scheme significantly from what you'd expect for, for Miles Morales, if not more, because you start off the game in kind of a homemade suit and then go to one that peter gives him which is much more a kind of peter parker colorway um yeah it's just uh runs the gamut it really does it's really cool um so kind of last chance apologies i diverted us from voice acting is there anyone else amongst the cast that you think's worth shouting out i guess it's worth saying that peter parker in this and remastered has a new face now they've changed the uh <laughs> yeah. the, the actor that's playing him in the, the so jarring capture. wasn't it it's yeah so it's, it weird. is really bizarre yeah um, uh, insomniac I, explained it that they need to do it for technical reasons fine mm, whatever we'll, we'll get used to it but it is weird. i don't know yeah. about that it is weird i don't know about that yeah, yeah, i think the contract <laughs> must have run out or something you know yeah i, but I don't know i like still, the old same, face. same voice you're in lowenthal so Mm, whatever it's it's not a big and he's in this game so little that you know yeah, it, it, yeah. but it was super jarring um but in terms of acting his his mum is just so uh yeah, fantastic agreed. i mean yeah. i mean the the, the mum the the uncle and the and genki uh are all great but um in particular yeah. his mum is just so um warm and and yeah. caring and some of the writing for her there's a scene near the end um, that just absolutely just, it brings, yeah, it really gets to me. Um, she kind of accepts him coming out as Spider-Man, uh, mm-hmm. uh, really takes it in her stride and um, is so supportive of it. Um, I think there's a function of them having to expedite the story so they don't have time for her to go through some kind of arc or anything. She just has to get on with it, but... Yeah. Um but but that seems so in keeping with the rest of her character along the exactly. way. Exactly. She well, just yeah, rolls they, with stuff. She, she just, just rolls with stuff. She's and such has a the doer. confidence to know that she will be okay and as a as a widow, you know, as a recent yeah, yeah. widow. 
Um, but she's just so practical in the way she slips into Spanish when she's being affectionate to him. And she kind of pecks at him a little bit, but not that much because he's he's such a good boy, basically. Like <laughs> like like that, you know, him and Genki are clever, nerdy, well behaved boys, you know. They're not yeah. they're not macho alpha males. They're not gangster wannabes or, or, or uh anything like that. Um they are they are clever young men um who are responsible and well brought up. And that's yeah. just really nice to see. It's just super nice to see. Um, and I think the acting, that dinner scene at the beginning sets up really nicely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something we get to in the story maybe, but um, Finn's character suffers from uh, the expediting of the story, from chopping, keeping the story really super tight. Her character suffers the worst. And I don't, I think the voice, the performance, the performance in general is, pr- is pretty good. But she has to do that thing that sometimes film character, film villains have to do where she goes to kind of from 10 to 95 on the evil scale so quickly, like in the in the in the in the single scene that it yeah. then undermines the performance, I think. And that's a writing thing. I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll get onto that in story. But no, I, I, I tend to agree, I think because we meet that character where she has already had the revelation that she is going down this path. She's already there and we're not. And so it feels like you're just rushing to catch up with where that character is already at, which is unfortunate because we don't get as much time to sit with her motivation as we did, even knowing who Otto Octavius was in the first game. We sit with his journey and his change much, much longer than we do um fins here so yeah uh, in, t- in terms of troy baker as simon krieger i <laughs> as as kind of like obvious and plain as it is like i really quite like the performance and actually in light of all of the crypto bros and elon musk as we record this uh elon musk setting twitter afire for his own own uh not not fun i don't think he's having fun but um, in terms of being the kind of corporate, you know, horrible sleazebag. Um, the, so the problem with Troy Baker is that we've heard him so much. And I, I literally, I listen to a podcast with Troy Baker on a lot. So I hear his voice all the time. I'm so familiar with it. And he does not change his voice at all for this character. So it's literally just him. So, so, and the character's face isn't that realistic. So actually it comes off as very much just a Troy Baker character at first but replaying it now and with the context of the elon musk stuff happening at the moment uh, i think there's actually quite a bit of nuance to this character as just a sort of evil corporate douchebag who is completely two-faced and has the sort of public facing kind of um tries to make out like he's this sharing caring um uh you know trying to solve a world's problem and He's doing it for the good of society and everything's under control and he tries to keep everything on the level. And then behind the scenes, he's just totally evil and slightly incompetent, actually, the way things go in the end. And, um, you know, risks really blowing everything up, literally and uh, figuratively. So so actually, yeah. I, 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 on reflection, I quite like the performance. I quite like the character, even though it's quite unsubtle in some ways. Yeah, they do a good job of showing what, 
someone who is a businessman and does not understand the gravity of any of technically the the science and technology that's behind any of it he has no grasp of that much yeah. like much, much like, like a, perhaps some, yeah. an aforementioned yeah exactly uh having money does not make one smart unfortunately well not even unfortunately just a matter of fact um so uh let's let's crack on into story because i'm aware that we are uh we're getting into the kind of sharp end of the the recording here um just to say real morales uh we we shouted out there a uh, voice actor i don't think we mentioned was jacqueline pinol um yeah absolutely agreed with what you had to say there uh thomas um a piece of forum feedback that I think leads us nicely into talking about the story is from Joyen on the uh, on the forum, as mentioned, who says, I love the opening of the game. There's a frantic pace to it. The game tosses you straight into its combat and traversal mechanics, immediately having you fight some escaped convicts for sticking you to the back of a rampaging rhino. I love this game. Um, yeah, straight in with a, a rhino fight for a game that actually doesn't have that many boss fights in it. You get straight into a uh, a rhino sequence that just puts you straight in the shoes of Miles as he is just scrambling the entire time to to work out how he is Spider Man next to Spider Man and very shortly in the absence of um, just a really really um, really sort of cool opening sequence that rivals the opening sequence in the previous game for me. Yeah, they, they do the same thing of mid-air giving you control of the character swinging but it it got me a second time i have to say they scope wise they they pick their battles don't they 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 only have a few kind of spectacular sections the bridge and the the this opening and i'm struggling to think what else actually i've only just i guess the you know the ending until the final boss fight yeah. yeah yeah exactly but but there's something reasonably refreshing actually those moments do really stand out um so and it is a really spectacular chase uh with the technology they've got now so um yeah uh yeah it gives just enough control to not feel completely on rails sometimes these big kind of cinematic moments when they're too scripted yeah. uh can feel a little bit annoying like almost like just make it a cut scene don't don't force me to do anything it's, uh, but like i really enjoyed the rhino fight um it feels very crash bandicoot it feels very like uh very frantic but at the same time you're given an, enough agency to really feel like you're uh yeah. uh reacting rather than being funneled down a very narrow set of uh of expected uh directions now the actual boss fight on ultimate difficulty later on like much later on is a real pig not a <laughs> rhino it's a pig but that's a different story and that and that is that is a classic kind of um you know big arena dude throwing things with you ads and and that's a completely different story and that's just a sort of classic boss fight rather than a a spectacle yeah yeah and and it, it has to be more of a test of the abilities and your skill at mastering them whereas the opening uh sequence including i think the fight is so much about teaching you moves that it and you have such a stripped back move set when you're fighting Rhino initially, obviously not in New Game Plus, but that that it, it can just be there for the spectacle of it. Um, 
So in terms of, uh, yeah, in terms of uh, story, we've got lead writers, John Paquette, Ben Arfman, and Mary Kenny, who's listed as a writer on IMDb, but not amongst the lead writers on uh, Wikipedia. So uh, included here for completion. But um, we've talked about Miles being the new Spider-Man. And uh, just after that rhino fight, uh, where Miles is feeling pretty beaten up, uh, Peter has to leave town for several weeks. So Miles is to step up and be the spider-man responsible for uh new york for a little while um and the the whole story is kind of situated around miles's mum rio running for counselor and roxon who have a bit of a stranglehold particularly around harlem but generally over the entirety of the uh, manhattan island um on funding and resources and they basically get to say what goes because they bring so much money into uh, the area, um, especially with this new power source. They've got new form, and, and appar- apparently they have freedom to just put com- like heavily armed super soldiers just hanging around, yep. you know, just on a street corner for no just good on reason. A street yeah, corner carrying yeah. hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of, of gear, you Expo- know, just... and and explosive energy sources as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, they have they have. Since Arkham City, we have not seen any uh, any organization have quite so much uh, ability to control an entire city. Um, um, so yeah, the, we're introduced to the underground, who are a kind of high tech anarchist movement who are looking to move into a power vacuum left after Fisk and the demons kind of were put to bed in the last game, um, and and so they are intent on stealing new form from uh from roxon and it, as it turns out they are intent on taking down roxon in revenge for the tinkerer's uh brother's death um and that's kind of the the long and the short of the story i think somewhere i wanted to focus on and apologies if it's kind of jumping the gun is yeah i think this game for it being shorter and a much more manageable amount of time spent uh with the story it suffers a bit for me, particularly in the villain. I just mm. feel like we, like I was surprised how quickly we find out Finn is the Tinkerer, and then how much of the rest of the story is Miles trying to not give away that he's Spider-Man, but get involved. It, it didn't give Finn as much. For me, they didn't manage to convince me of her journey to get to the point of, right, I'm going to take down rocks on they don't care who gets hurt in the process no i i, I think a, a youtuber suggested that if they'd put the flat the science flashback at the beginning of the story um it might have helped like in a bigger game they might have done that so yeah. the, the flashback where they're walking through yeah, yeah, the yeah. the science fair and you're introduced it, yeah. to rick um you know you bump into peter and and you kind of get an understanding of the sort of depth of their relationship and stuff. And um, rather than put it at the end of the game, and you know, it's a, you know, it's a last of us thing we're used to now, like flashbacks in Sony games uh, as a way of establishing drama and deepening character and stuff like that. And I really, I do agree with that suggestion that actually just anything to give Finn more of a a smoother arc and um give her character more depth um and i just i just think they it's just the story the story is just a bit too brief i like that the story is brief from my own play experience um 
However, it's just just too brief to sell us on. It's either too brief to sell us on her power journey because she's so powerful, right? And we're not bat, quite yeah, yeah. sure why. We don't yeah. really know why she's able to, like, physically, why is she so strong? Because it can't just be that the gadgets are are kind of giving her these abilities because she's able to run all the way up the buildings and shoot off into the sky and it's all very Dragon Ball Z and whatever. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that, that is presented and, as entirely due to the tech because we see all of the other... Um, well, to to most of the degree, we see all yeah. of the other underground um, enemies to be able to do that. But, yeah, I think... For me, and I'm not a writer, I I don't know how they could have done this in the same amount of time... I needed to, like, given that Finn took over the underground, like, she's got an uneasy alliance, but essentially she's become in charge because of the tech she can offer them. That didn't have to be a pre-existing condition for this story. That could have happened partly through the story after Finn found out what happened to her brother and decided to then. We'd already been shown that she is an inventor and creator and her brother had a lot of tech and clearly taught her a lot. I think if I'd seen Finn find out what happened to her brother and not just find out after the fact and then see her decide to go and hook up with the underground and that then went to pot very quickly, that would have worked better for me than kind of finding out all after the fact. Yeah. And, and if, then, this, if this was a full game, you can imagine that that's the kind of structural uh, absolutely. work. Absolutely, yeah. They, I, I, yeah. I completely appreciate the time available, that's not possible. But that's the bit that suffered. Miles and, and Ganky and, and the family side of that story and him becoming, his journey through this, absolutely loved and, and loved his character for that going along that journey with him. But yeah, that's the part of the story that kind of suffered a bit for me. Um, the thing about them being nerds, mm. um, I really like I really like that point, though, that, that it's sort of, we don't, we see intellectually like they're they're intellectually clever young men of color right yep uh and i guess you know peter's not a man of color but he's also a clever young man and they seek out responsibility but not violent revenge um so i'm talking about the yeah the two the two boys of the story basically yeah, yeah. then they're not aggressive per se they never go out to harm or no. seek or, or, or get get their own back they mm. always go out to kind of find out assess the situation and then try and rescue the situation as best they can when they're when when he's when miles is in it yeah um but then you get the nerdier side like ganky boasts about doing a clean up the river project in school uh or that he's enjoying reading jane eyre for for homework or something i just love that kind of that side of it um but they don't quite sell that finn who is also she's supposed to be brighter than both of them put together if she's able to you kind of invent all this tech but we don't spend that time with her character and um yeah we just don't quite get there with her do we um which is a shame i, I don't feel it but that you know I'm, I'm perfectly well aware that there are reasons why that's the case for me and they may not be the case for for everyone but uh but I think the the Miles side of the story, and we've got some uh, some feedback here uh, to that end, is is what really grabbed me and why. And I think it speaks to what I'm hoping for from Spider Man Two as well. So, um, just before we go on to the the forum feedback we've got here, and then talking about kind of the legacy after this game, is there? I've, I'm aware we've rushed through story there just because time is against us. 
Is there any other aspect of um, story you wanted to to touch on, either of you, Ryan or or Tom? I, I think it's it's worth pointing out, and uh, several YouTubers really went in on this. That there's a lovely sense of I mean, some of the themes of of the game. Um, they carry on basically, but but themes of civic duty, neighborhood yeah. cohesion, mm-hmm. corporate power. Um, there's something nice about the way they protect uh, uh, Miles's identity at the end. That's a callback to the film Spider-Man Two, but also, um, I'm quoting a YouTuber. I don't unfortunately know the channel name. That um, Miles is a different Spider-Man to Peter Parker, and Peter tells him explicitly, "Don't tell anyone who you are because people will be in danger." But Miles chooses to tell his mum. He's already told Ganky because he's got a wingman, and that's something we used to with Ned in the MCU as well. Um, And he tells Finn as a sort of self-defense, to stop himself getting killed, he tells Finn as a sort of self-defense mechanism and as a way to kind of complicate her evil plan. Um, And and, and as a way to appeal to whatever humanity's left in her that, okay, you, you may have distanced yourself from the people, the faceless people that you're causing harm, but here's someone that you do care about right in front of you. There are still yeah. people in this world you care about and that care about you. And I think that's, yeah, that there's a powerful motivation there for that. So, so actually sort of digging into the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man idea and like actually going in on the neighborhood idea is really sweet and a way to keep it grounded. Because when you're at the end, you know, of every Marvel film and every Marvel game, everything's going to be exploding and there's going to be electricity sparking off everywhere and your hero's going to always be dirtied up and bruised and cut and everything. And you're always going to reach the the moral kind of point of the, f- the finale of the story. And it's just going to happen every single time. So how do you make that interesting each time? And how do you try and land some emotional beats that that, that resonate with people? I think with this one, it's the idea of of miles taking care of the neighborhood and then at the end the neighborhood taking care of him you know and and his little unit helping to uh, um evacuate people from the neighborhood and keep people safe and um so that's a, that's a nice idea and civic duty and his mum feeling driven to stand for office um because you know, she doesn't see it as a choice. She just sees it as, well, no, we've got to stand up and be. Yeah, counted. she says she says it outright after the um, the plaza attack. We we don't back down. We we carry yeah. on. Yeah, absolutely. And that and that that actually has. I mean, Ryan, I don't know if this sparks anything with you. I mean, that actually has a some small echo with American politics about how um, you know the the Republican approach of of infiltrating school boards and and smaller lower down levels of government and really trying to um twist things at a, a local level and how um liberals and democrats and people who who feel differently from that need to maybe sort of resurrect some of that feeling and and sustain some of that feeling and maintain some of that feeling of of taking local action and getting off twitter and getting off the internet and and getting out and um standing up and and actually standing and yeah I, i'm making a fairly shallow point there but i wondered if that had any uh, uh resonance with you i think there's uh something that's pretty common in a lot of superhero media is i think now especially in the like 80s and beyond 
the idea of kind of like balancing the superheroics with actually taking, I guess, legitimate action, if that's an okay term to use, that it can't all just be like waiting for some sort of like, you know, Arthurian hero to swoop in and use, you know, their uh, amazing abilities to save the day that like it actually does come down to people, you know, working within the system to uh to exact real change and like a lot of even the heroes will have supporting characters who are you know local politicians like in this case or um some of them will even be kind of in the um some of them will kind of privilege the work that they do as private citizens above their superhero work um even so i think it's something that like people within this genre space are becoming more aware of okay uh we need to uh, wrap up with a very brief uh discussion of what comes next and to lead into that we've got two uh forum uh pieces of forum feedback which i'm gonna um cut down to the the salient points that that i've chosen <laughs> so apologies for that too uh first of all a good joe who on the forum says I'm definitely looking forward to Spider-Man 2 where Miles and Peter can bounce off each other in a more interesting story and the tea time who says um, I can't wait to see where the series goes from here when the two Spider-Men have their proper Marvel team up in the sequel as well as what Insomniac has in store with Wolverine so uh, very quickly on Legacy yeah Marvel Games is a thing that didn't really exist in the way we think of it now in 2018 that was kind of the to me the game that kind of blew everything up so marvel were no longer just going to concentrate on your mobile games that they've always had for ages and ages they were actually going to make concerted effort and marvel's avengers is another example of that guardians of the galaxy is another example uh, miles morales and marvel's wolverine which we now know that insomniac are also working on in addition to spider-man 2 i guess my question to to you both to kind of close this out uh all but for three word reviews and summary is spider-man 2 do we get 50 50 time spent with miles and peter is that where this goes i mean seeing the reaction that people have had to miles morales i kind of wonder if he's going to be given like precedence over peter parker even like i i think that there was such like a strong and you know video games are made in kind of concert with the reaction that previous games have gotten like he's such a fan favorite now that i kind of wonder if you know he's going to be pushed to the forefront even more than maybe they were originally planning at the beginning yeah i mean they've given him a whole game and stuck his name in the title um i think uh probably it will be a 50 50 for map mopping and that it will be a GTA 5 situation that they they'll want to show off the PS5 fast load so that you'll be able to just instantly switch between them in a bigger in a bigger rendition of New York uh, assuming the game doesn't come out on PS4 I am assuming the game doesn't come out on PS4 I don't know if it's been confirmed uh either way actually but um yeah I I would have thought that's what they do but but with story they will split it up or you know, you have to arrive at a story mission as one or the other, or, or one of them will be taken out for a particular period or something. But yeah, I, I, I feel like they're coming in as equal 
equal partners to the next game and they've done the groundwork for that, honestly. And then they'll set up maybe Gwen uh, in Spider-Man 2 as uh, Ghost Spider. Um, maybe. Who knows? Spider-Pig, please. <laughs> all right. Uh, that is definitely all we have time for, aside from, as mentioned, uh, we on the day of recording, put out a tweet from the Kane and Rince account to ask for your review of the game in question, Miles Morales, uh, in only three words. Um, we've got at least one that pushed their luck a little here, I think, but we'll just about get away with it. Um, I will start us off. Uh, Jobo Bonobo says, short but sweet. Peter Cleaves says, improves originals flaws. Tales from the Backlog says, fun, refined snack. Uh, Ludo Narrative FM says a polished retread robert farley says powerfully great response jamie smith uh uh goes close to several <laughs> different words says spider-man's christmas cat well we'll allow it <laughs> uh, and finally tolkien taters says sick swinging animations agreed uh right i think uh what will we do for order shall i go very quickly first i think I enjoy. I absolutely enjoyed Spider-Man 2018. It was absolutely one of my favourite games of that year. Probably my favourite superhero game of all time. Can I? I think I can say that. the The story problems that I mentioned earlier are the only reason I wouldn't say I like this better. I think the narrative just didn't quite hit for me, and that's purely because of the antagonist. Uh, there story their arc just didn't quite hit for me but i would if if we were told spider-man 2 was going to be 75 percent miles completely happy with that i like that peter parker i like this version of peter parker but i love this miles i love his warmth his just how genuine and unafraid he is and unafraid is not something in the moment peter parker is that but miles is unafraid to be open uh, with the people around him and to be warm with them and i think that is an inc incredible thing to see in a, a game like this i think it's fantastic and i i just love his character and the way they've portrayed it here so that's kind of my takeaway is uh you know whatever the shortcomings i will always think fondly of this game because of its central character and the people surrounding him um so uh ryan would you like to go next with your summary please yeah sure uh i don't want this to come across like damning with faint praise like this is a <laughs> this is a really really great game but it's like it's kind of as highly as i can rate something without it being like truly special if that distinction like makes any sense mm. like the I, I guess i could say this about a lot of like sony's um big cinematic first party games recently is that like they're they're very good in like a very technical sense but like they're not quite the uh, like surprising like soul stealing uh, in a good way like heart heart rendering <laughs> like type of uh um game that i think i come back to like year after year after year yeah, stuff that like might not be perfect but is you know truly something unique and special yeah i think about like some of my 
favorites from all time and like i come up with games like katamari damasi and parappa the rapper and games that are like sure. really yeah um really unique and really doing something like out of the ordinary and so you know i i don't think that like the spider-man games necessarily stand out in the same way that those like truly bizarre and special games would but like they're they are like kind of the pinnacle of the type of game that they're going for and like i can't really imagine ways in which they could do the spider-man formula a lot better at this point like hats off to the people who are um who have really you know worked hard and really kind of perfected what it feels like to be spider-man um when i'm thinking about like marvel properties in particular this almost feels like kind of a prelude era uh the the thing that makes marvel games and marvel properties as a whole exciting are the big kind of team up moments uh, you think about the the films and how exciting it is every time like a big avengers movie comes around and you get to see all the characters that you followed uh separately in their own stories come together and and fight some challenge just greater than all of them and seeing how their powers interact and stuff like that and then of course like going back to the comic books like they'd all be crossing over into each other's works all the time and so i think that they're starting to kind of lay the groundwork through all these uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Spider-Man and Wolverine and all these different games um, to try to do something similar like that in the future. Uh, and I'm cautiously optimistic about that. Like I, I, I love a lot of the team-up games from previous eras, like the Capcom beat-em-ups and uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance and... Um, lego star uh, lego um marvel superhero games and you know it's so fun to just like to get that kind of team dynamic and that kind of fusion between the different characters but uh i notice you don't you don't mention marvel's avengers in oh uh, yeah you know <laughs> that was put in the cart before the horse and like i think <laughs> kind of the point i'm warming up to here is that like the the individual games and really getting to focus in on the mechanics and the feel of these characters um i could see this spider-man teaming up with like another character who's been given that same kind of like individual focus and development and the thing that caused mm -hmm. marvel's avengers to kind of fall short is that like they were all kind of developed in concert and they're all kind of blended together and they all kind of place too similarly to really be that strongly differentiated and you know and so you know someday when we do get like a mashup of the different characters with this level of attention paid to them like i think something really special can come out of that um and so you know maybe maybe someday this will have a legacy even far greater than what we can predict at this point but for now like taking mm. it as it is like it's it's it really is an exceptional game it is like this is a uh a wonderful distillation of everything that made spider-man 2018 great and i think it's i think it surpasses spider-man 2018 i think it's more focused combat makes for a better and more like coherent combat experience i think that it's kind of pairing back of the different types of activities and particularly stripping out 
some of the types of activities that didn't work in Spider-Man 2018 makes for a more um, like refined experience. You know, it's not as much content, but the stuff that you're hitting is more like more hits than misses. And, you know, you're, you kind of have all the misses like kind of stripped out. So overall, like I'm, I'm really, really positive on this one. It, it's not like, it's not a generation defining game for me, but I think it's, uh, I, I think it's, it's really exceptional work that, um, has gone into this one and I'm excited to see what comes of it in the future. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with a lot of that. Um, the, the, it's easy to recommend. It's another incredibly high quality, um, Sony first party product, uh, another great insomniac game. um, for me, the, the 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 main takeaways, the main things I take away with it, is just the visual kind of fidelity, and uh, especially, I mean, for me as a photo mode junkie, and I really am a junkie. Uh, I'm not a great, you know, image creator by any means or anything like that. Uh, I just love really zooming in on things and 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 looking around and poking my head around, even in the middle of a fight, the first time through, and then um the second time through i was playing i sort of did did less of that and then focused more on the combat mechanics and and trying to get through the game on ultimate uh difficulty which wasn't that hard um uh, and i'm not that good at games so so actually that was quite fun too um so yeah so just all around fantastic game easy to recommend i love short triple a games as a as a dad of two young children with limited energy to to play a lot of games um uh yeah we've covered a lot of it there's some great performances in here that because of the truncated nature of the story it it does miss some beats that in a longer game structurally might have been better laid out um but there's still some value in the story and there's still some good you know acting and writing going on even if it's quite it's all done quite swiftly um my main negative and it's not a big thing and it and it's you know it's a subjective thing is just that i wish and this goes i guess like this a broadcast out to all superhero games this is like i really really need i think some innovation in open world map mopping activities uh because fighting groups of similar groups of enemies you know whatever it is five to ten guys there's girls obviously in here as well in the underground and stuff like that but um fighting groups of enemies on standing on top of a rooftop over and over and over again it, it's 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 not boring but it's just it you start to wonder like what else should spider-man be doing what else would spider-man be doing and why do these uh, these bad guys keep standing on top of really really tall buildings how do they get up there how do they think they're going to get down how are they going to get down if Spider-Man, you know, um, just sticks them all down? Uh, yeah, it's all a bit, it all actually gets a bit silly when I think uh, any closer to it. And you shouldn't think too hard about superhero media because that's not the point. But yes, it would have been nice to be able to show my boys uh, a bit more variety of helping people, so saving people, solving problems, um and not even on main missions just in, on in a side mission or or smaller mission uh context uh just a bit more variety would be good in future i can but i can appreciate why it's not here because of the scope of this game 
uh, and its sort of place as a as a 1.5 game. But yeah, easy to recommend. Technical tour de force, I think, and um, yeah, well worth well worth checking out. Fantastic! Thank you very much, both. Uh, the only thing that remains is for me, James, to thank Ryan, Thomas, and our editor Jay as well as every one of our correspondents and all the different ways that you can uh, provide us correspondence. Plus, of course, each and every one of you for listening. Next time is issue 548, and just as if you play me in Marvel Snap, you will feel Dracula's curse, so if you listen to Leon, John, Leah, Mikiel, next week you will hear all about Castlevania 3, Dracula's Curse. 